Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, man, we got a, it's, it's awesome. It's kind of an intimate setting today, right? People dipped out of town for the 4th of July a little early. Um, Ethan Durr, happy birthday, man. Everyone say happy birthday to Ethan. Yeah. Anyone else, if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you too. But, uh, Man, I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, this has been a crazy month for me and Jesse. Uh, before we knew we were moving in July, uh, we scheduled a trip in November. We made the trip plans in November to go to Ireland. And then when we got back from Ireland, we went straight to uh, Colorado for our youth group camp. And man, it was a wild week. And uh, the way back, we drove straight through the night. And that was not fun, but it was, it was good. Um, but it's good to finally just be back and, and, and um, just be present. Um, I'm excited for this morning. Uh, God's just been churning up a lot in my heart um, the past couple weeks. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share, share that this morning. Um, I don't know about you guys, but in my walk with God, like, I just, I reach these moments where I'm like, oh God, I just want more from you. I want, I, want to, I want to walk with you more than what I'm walking with you now. Like, I want, I want to go deeper with you. I don't know if you guys ever have those moments. I'm, I'm sure we all do, right, where we just hit these points where we're like, oh, God, I just want more of you. And, and, and my, my conviction um, lately is that there is more for us in our walk with Jesus than, than what we always realize, right? There's more for us in our walk with God. See, when I read the Bible and I read about the early church And then I observe where we're at in 2018, and specifically the church in the United States. I'm like, man, there's a huge disconnect. Has anyone else ever noticed that? There's a huge disconnect, right? The church in the book of Acts, man, they were going out and they're doing crazy things. They were seeing the veil of darkness push back everywhere they went. Were they a perfect church? By no means. But they moved in authority. He said, Pete, what do you mean by authority? I mean this. They were so surrendered and, and, and laid down before Jesus that God knew that he could use them wherever they went. They were so surrendered to the lordship of Jesus that the Holy Spirit in them was like, I can use these people. And as a result, everywhere they went, they saw tangible displays of the kingdom power because of God moving through them. They were just open to him using them. And I look at that and I I get frustrated. I'm like, oh God, why don't we see this? I think, if I'm being honest with everyone this morning, I think we need an awakening in America. Serious, I think we need a spiritual awakening. You know, it it boggles my mind that we can treat, um, you know, our pursuit of God so casually. Like it's just kind of, it gets put on the back burner. I want to tell you the truth that when we stand before God, man, we are going to get our worlds rocked. Right? When we see God face to face, we're going to be in awe of who he is and we're going to realize, man, why didn't we take it more seriously when we were here on earth? That's my conviction lately. And I think this disconnect that we see in the church of Acts and then um, it, now in, in, in 2018, I think it comes from our surrender to Jesus. I think as a church, we need to be more intentional about coming before the throne of God every day and laying down our lives and saying, God, you can use me. Because look at this. In the book of Acts, I see the church doing this. They're casting out demons, right? They're healing people, and they're seeing miracles take place. I don't know about you, but I I don't see a lot of that going on in the church. Why? Why? Was it because the apostles were superhumans? No. No. 
There are broken, um, everyday, Joe Schmo people like you and me, right? But God used them to do these things. Why? It's because of who was living inside of them, right? The Holy Spirit was doing these things through them, and it was through their surrender. And so my conviction is that, man, we need to be so intentional about coming before the throne of God every day and saying, God, you can have all of me today. You can use me in whatever way you see fit. what, what, What troubles me is that even within the church today, because we don't, we see this, People notice this disconnect whether or not they realize it. But in the church today, we, we, we develop theologies um, that kind of justify why we shouldn't see miracles take place. Right? We, we develop theologies why, why the Holy Spirit doesn't move the same as in the Bible. And I'm just telling you something. That's an excuse. It wasn't because of the apostles' supernatural abilities that these things were happening in the Bible. It was just because of their surrender and obedience. The Holy Spirit was, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? That's who God is. He's unchanging. And he, his intention, his purposes for mankind is that we would be fully surrendered to him so that he could use us. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is, man, what does it truly mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? And what is God's purpose for our life? What does ministry look like? And, okay, so before I start, I just want to pray really quick. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence here with us this morning. God, you were the lion and the lamb. God, you took our spot on the cross and you died our death, God, so that we could be brought to life in you, God, that we could be filled with your spirit, God, that we could carry on your ministry here and now. And so, God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you wouldn't let... Um, me speak my own thoughts, but God, that you would empower me to speak your heart. God, would you speak through me this morning? Would you let our hearts be open and receptive? And God, would you let your word move in power this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. About a month ago, um, I preached on the Great Commission, right? And, and I was telling, I, it was coming out of Matthew 28, and before Jesus was arrested, or when Jesus was arrested, his disciples scattered in fear. They ran. Everyone ran, right? But in Matthew 28, we read the story of how Jesus is alive. Not a fairy tale, not just a good, feel-good story. Like, the reality of it was really, really intense. Like, Jesus is alive, and he defeated the enemy, right? And so we see his disciples scatter, but in Matthew 28, they're coming back to him. And the first thing Jesus says is he addresses their fear, and he goes, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Because I've been given all authority, go and make disciples, that's a big deal, right? So Jesus is saying, go, carry on my ministry. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read Paul say, he goes, you are ambassadors of God, right? You've been given Jesus' ministry of reconciliation. Jesus in Matthew 28 is passing us his baton, and he's saying, do what I've been doing. But I, I think the thing that makes me so frustrated is I think sometimes in America, we have such a watered-down version of what that looks like. Be a good person, you know, go to church and uh, do the right things. Those are great. I'm not discrediting. We need to do those. But that's an incomplete view of what it means to follow Jesus and to do the things that he was doing. Because when I read about Jesus, he had a pretty radical ministry. Right? He, I mean, he freed a guy named Legion in Mark 5 of uh, hundreds of demons. That's radical, right? And, and so I think sometimes in the church we have this way of talking about discipleship and, and following Jesus, but it's kind of watered down. See, Pete, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look. Because the Great Commission wasn't the only commissioning that Jesus gave to his disciples, okay? So real quick, we're just going to look at different commissionings that Jesus gave his disciples. And we're going to hold, um, you know, the, 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 the present 
uh, commissionings that we do in church up to what Jesus was doing in his ministry here now. Okay, so in Mark 3, verse 14, Mark says this. Jesus appointed 12 so that they would be with him, that he could send them out to preach, and to have authority to cast out demons. I'm so all that wrong. Hold on. (coughs) Oh, man. (coughs) That's good. I'm not going to take another sip. So the, the primary thing that we see Jesus appoint the 12 for, right, is to be with him. That is so foundational to discipleship. They could never know Jesus and grow to be like him if they never spent time with him. Today is still the same. Intimacy is primary. We need to be people who are intimate with Jesus. But so often he gets put on the back burner. So often he's the last thing on our agenda. So often I'm first and he's last. Right? And, and, and Jesus saying, or Mark saying, Jesus appointed them first and foremost to be with him. And then what comes out of intimacy is the overflow, right? We're, we're created to know God deeply, to love him with everything we are, and to reflect him to a dark and a broken world. Okay, so we see he appointed them to be with him. And then he could send them out to preach and to cast out demons. <laughs> see, there was the proclamation of the gospel, Right? Jesus came. God came in the flesh. He put on human clothes, like human flesh, and he took our spot on the cross. Why? So we could be with him forever? Yeah, that's part of it. But so that we could live with him here and now, that we could have a life that walks with God here and now. God came so we could be set free from the bondage of sin and the power of the enemy, and we could be freed into the kingdom of light and live with him here and now and into eternity. So it's not just about getting into heaven. It's about learning who he is now and walking with him. Okay, so the gospel, Jesus sent his his disciples out to proclaim this, all right, this truth. And then he said, cast out demons. Why cast out demons? Because with the proclamation of the gospel comes the demonstration of the kingdom. We're really good at proclaiming the kingdom, but are we good at displaying the kingdom? See, Jesus said those things go hand in hand. Check it out. In Luke 9, verses 1 and 2, he says, I call, he called the 12 together. And gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Who in Sunday, quick show of hands, who in Sunday was told that when you come to know Jesus and you're filled with his spirit, you're given power and authority over all demons, you can heal diseases? Not very many. Anyway, uh, heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Again, proclaim the kingdom and display the kingdom. Okay? Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. That was the ministry that Jesus was commissioning his disciples into. Go proclaim the kingdom and go display it. Because, church, what we need to realize is that we don't just live in this physical, material world. We live in a spiritual world. Culture will laugh at people who believe this, right? And the enemy's done a pretty good job of controlling pop culture to make fun of this concept, right? But the truth of it is, is that there's actually spirits and powers at play that we can't always see. They manipulate things, they cause lies to spread, they twist the truth. They do everything they can to rob Jesus of receiving glory. And so, because we live in this cosmic battlefield, right, Jesus equipped his disciples to go and dismantle every power of darkness. It wasn't a maybe this will happen if you guys go out and you're really bold and tough enough. It was, no, this will happen when you go out in my boldness. Why? Because the enemy 
We grew up in this world, right, where death and destruction, disease, darkness, man, we're all familiar with it, right? We're all familiar. We've all seen the works of the enemy. But Jesus, when he came in the flesh, he brought the kingdom of God. When he taught his disciples how to pray, it was, man, let your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom of God has been coming and it's been forcefully advancing against the kingdom of darkness, the the pseudo-kingdom of darkness, the fake kingdom of the enemy. It's all smoke and mirrors. And what Jesus shows us is that when a believer filled with the Holy Spirit is meant and purposed to take down the kingdom of darkness with every step they take, okay? So in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 70 and he gives them the same commission. Go preach the gospel gospel, go heal those who are sick and go cast out demons. Radical stuff. And then in verse 17 of Luke 10, it says, the 70 return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. What's Jesus saying? He's not saying to go into the desert and find a scorpion and stomp on it. He's not saying go find a rattlesnake and see if you can step on it. He's saying, man, I have given you authority over all the powers of darkness. Scorpions, snakes, demons. I've given you authority over them. Why are you scared? See, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, this is just something that's coming to mind right now. But man, have you seen those creepy, like those trailers for those like exorcism movies? And they want to make them all dark and scary. That's just the enemy trying to get a hold of pop culture. Serious. People would say, I'm just hyper-charismatic, he's just a weirdo. No, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. The enemy is scared of what a believer fully surrendered to Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit looks like. I have experienced demons. Just last week, me and Jesse cast a demon out. This stuff happens, right? We were at camp with the, uh, the youth group. And uh, the speaker comes up to me and Jesse, he goes, hey, I got someone I need you to meet. So that night we went and we were praying and... Um, we, we got talking with this girl, and, and the Lord just kept giving us words for her, and we were praying over her, and we were praying over abuse. And, and then she just starts crying, and we start praying over scars on her heart. She's more tears, you know? We start seeing like self-harm and all this stuff, and the Lord was just telling us, but she didn't even tell us any of this. We just prayed, and he was giving it to us. And um, as we got talking, we got to this point in the conversation where we said, man, just feel like maybe you need to forgive some people. Like the enemy has a stronghold on your life because you have some unforgiveness in your heart and you really need to just forgive some people. You know, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Maybe you just need to release them. Maybe that's the stronghold that the enemy's got on you. And the conversation kept going and going and we finally got to this place where like, well, she's like, I, I don't think I can do that. And we're like, well, just ask Jesus for help. So Jesus can... Could you help me? And she said, every time I, f- I want to say Jesus, it feels like I'm getting choked. This is real stuff. Every- she couldn't even say the name of Jesus. Serious. I mean, like, I-, I approach, I'm a logical thinker, right? Like, I'm pretty, I can be skeptical at times. And so in my mind, I'm going, okay, if she was uncomfortable and didn't want to be here right now, Jesus, and then, you know, and then just get out of there, right? She didn't do that. She's like, I can't say Jesus. I mean, she didn't say that because then she'd be saying Jesus. She said, I can't say it, right? I can't say it. And we're like, man, well, here's what we're going to do. And we looked at her friend. She was this little 14-year-old. 
And I said, you love your friend, don't you? And she, you know, tears start forming. I go, why don't you put your hand on her knee and look her in the eyes? And she said, go right now in the name of Jesus. And this girl, oh, it was so amazing. This little girl, just timid, but so bold. She puts her hand on her friend's knee and she goes, go right now in the name of Jesus. You're not welcome here. And that girl ended up walking through forgiveness and praying and asking Jesus, you know, to help her forgive these people, right? She still has stuff that she's going to need to work through, but Jesus won, right? The devil's not strong. He's not, he's not ferocious. We shouldn't be scared of him, right? Jesus has been given all authority. That's what he said in Matthew 28. I've been given all authority, therefore go. I think as a church, we really need to press into what that means. Too often I see us walking around in fear, too often I see us walking around worried by life and the pressures of life. Anxiety has got its grip on the church. But I think a right understanding of what it means to be a Christian is that God is in control, not just of my eternity, but the here and now. A lot of people, you ask them about their faith, they go, yeah, I know where I'm going when I'm, I'm dead. I go, well, sweet, do you know where you're going right now? You're either following Jesus or you're not. People expect that they could live like hell now and then get into heaven later. That's not how it works. We're called to follow the king here and now and to partake in what he's doing and what he's been doing from the start of the ages, right? Okay, Mark 16. Oh yeah, this is good. Luke 10, 20. He said, uh, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. I think this is a great reminder because miracles, casting out demons, man, they're real and the church needs to be awakened to this reality, but they're not the end goal. The end goal is Jesus glorified. The worship of Jesus spreading across the earth. When God made man in the beginning, he said, be fruitful and multiply. He wanted worshipers to fill the earth. The earth was created that it could be full of the worship of God. And the enemy is jealous, right? We know the story. He wants to steal worship from God. But Jesus said, don't, 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 re- don't rejoice because they do that. I mean, it's awesome. Let's be happy about it, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is to have me glorified, okay? So Mark 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus has finished, when the Lord Jesus had finished taking with them, or talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. I think this is important to note, right? In John 14, uh, Thomas, he said, well, well, Lord, you know, how do we know what the Father looks like? And Jesus said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But trust this, know, that who I, know who I am by the signs that I've performed. What did, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He cleansed the lepers. He proclaimed freedom for the oppressed. And then Jesus, it's interesting, because the very next verse, without stopping, Jesus goes, and know this, those who follow me, they will do even greater things than these. 
Where are we talking about? I don't hear a lot of people preaching this from the pulpit. I don't hear a lot of people pressing into these truths. Are we spooked out by them? What's going on? Because Jesus said, look, you will know this. And then he goes, because the Son is pleased to bring glory to the Father. Know this, that when we are operating in the fullness of the ministry that Jesus has called us to, it brings glory to God. Why? Because people see his power at work. You know, you could come to me, a Mormon could come to me, and they could say all they want about the thousands of gods they got. But I have a God who will move through me. I have a God, I've put my hands on people, and I've seen Jesus heal them. Not because of me, definitely not because of me, but because of who's in me, the Holy Spirit. Nobody else can have that truth attached to their faith. We have a God who's living and active and who moves through his surrendered servants, who moves through his children because it pleases him to bring glory to the throne of God, right? No one else can claim that. We have a God who moves, a God who's alive in me. We are the temple of God. We're just singing it. Do we believe it though? The temple in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you read about the temple, it was glorious, it was amazing. God filled that thing and, and, and people were amazed by the presence of God. Well, the Bible says that we are the New Testament temple. Are people seeing God and amazed at who God is through our lives? I, I'm not, that's not a condemning thing. I'm just, that's, I think it's a challenging question I need to ask myself all the time. You know, I was, four years ago, me and my friends decided we wanted to go camping. We didn't know this, but the campground that we booked was... Um, a rave. I don't know if you guys are familiar with raves. There's a rave going on, right? And so um, people were taking large quantities of, of drugs, and it was just a weird experience as we pitched our tent in the middle of like thousands. And we're like, wow, we definitely should have done more research where we're going. And, um, but me and my friend, we decided, man, let's go out and let's pray for people. People are broken and hurt. We can, we can look at them in disgust. Or we can get God's heart for them and step into it and, and see what God does. And so I remember this clear as day. It was, this, is, this was just ridiculous. But we went up, and this was our segue into a conversation with um, the campground staff. They're all sitting there. And mind you, like they're aware of what is happening on their campground. And so we're like, hey, does anyone uh, need any healing? That was it. That was our perfect line right there. It was like, hey, anyone? And they like looked at us and like, yeah, all right, buddy. And then my friend got this word of, from God. He's like, I'm just feeling like someone uh, has something going on with their back. And then this woman looks at us kind of wide-eyed, and she goes, I could use prayer. And so she stands up, and we start praying over her. And uh, I put my hand, I was like, can I put my hand on your head? She's like, sure. And I started praying. I said, God, I thank you that, like, everything internally is being restored right now, God. And he, like, gaps or, le- like, Anything going on in her brain with the activity, like it's all fixed right now in Jesus' name. We started praying, and then I got this word. I said, um, I just feel like the Lord's saying you're a mentor for women. You lead young women, and you, you disciple them. We got done praying, and she looks at me, and she goes, how did you know that? And I was like, I didn't. I was like, Trust me, I didn't. I was just letting Jesus speak through me. He loves you, and he knows every part of who you are, and he cares about you. You know, and she starts tearing up and we kind of like take our hands off and she goes and she goes honey and she calls over to her husband do you see this and he looks over he's like you're not wobbling this woman had ms 
We didn't know that. So when I was praying over her head and her brain, like she was like, man, it's crazy. So we prayed one more time for her. Four hours later, we're walking across this campground. It's getting, the sun's going down at this point, And we hear, hey, boys, hey, boys. This woman's waving to us. She goes, I just took my dog on a five-mile walk. I haven't been able to do that in years. You know what that did? That opened up the door for us to share about who she is to God and what she means to God. God showed up that day. See, I think the church needs to understand that there's more to our walk with Jesus. You know, some of us are are, are disappointed and we're upset because there's people in our life that we really want them to see or encounter God. But like, are we really, are are we being diligent and being bold? And believing God for the greater things that he said that we'd be able to do with his Holy Spirit in us. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that we're, we in ourselves are able to do these things. We're not. It's Jesus living through us. But like the disciples, we're called to be surrendered before Jesus and let him use us in different ways. But I, I think it's time that we stop allowing what we don't understand to affect what we do understand, which is Jesus and his word. See, I can pray for someone, and if I don't see the breakthrough, it just, it's discouraging, right? And then I walk away, and I think, oh, man, God must not heal anymore. I think that's what's happened in the church, is that there's been really pure-hearted leaders who haven't seen the breakthrough that they pressed in for, and they've allowed it to affect what they understand. Man, if I don't see the breakthrough, that doesn't mean that God's not healing. I can't, I, I don't understand that. I don't have an answer for us this morning why that happens. But what I do know is in the Bible, I see a God who moves and he does the impossible. And time and time and time and time again, he does it. And he wants to use people who are surrendered and believing that he still does that. So I think in the church, we need to stop allowing the things that we don't understand to affect what we do understand, which is that Jesus is alive. He's on the throne of our hearts. His Holy Spirit has filled us. But I think it begs the question, why don't, why don't we see these things in America? What's going on? I think it kind of starts with our worldview. I think it kind of starts with our worldview, and I talked about this a little already, but I think we need to understand that we live in a spiritual world because clearly Jesus and the disciples, they understood that. Right? Clearly Jesus understood that he was living in a spiritual world because First John 3, 8, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. He understood that it's not just what we see, but there's actually more at play, okay? So in Ephesians 6, we love to talk about it, um, but the, the armor of God, okay? We pray it out, we talk about it a lot, but the armor of God, what's the context in what Paul's talking about here? He starts off in Ephesians 6, the first couple of verses of Ephesians 6, he's talking about um, relationships and how to steward relationships and how to have healthy relationships and to honor each other and have Jesus be glorified in relationships, okay? And then he goes, directly from that, he goes, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Look, Paul goes from talking about our relationships with each other, and then he goes, but just keep in mind, our battle... And it's not against each other. It's against the powers and the principalities of the dark world. 
See, Paul talks about this, and I think it's in 1 Corinthians. He says, man, we've been giving, given weapons that are capable of tearing down the strongholds of the enemy. They're powerful, and they're not carnal. They're not earthly, but they're powerful. We've been given spiritual weapons to destroy the works of the enemy. We want to talk about and pray out the, the spiritual armor, but I think it's important that we realize what, God, uh, what Paul's saying right here, right? He's saying, man, we live in this world where every chance we get, or every chance he gets, the enemy is just clawing for air. He's just trying to stir something up, man. He's trying to stir up division. He's trying to stir up tension. He's trying to create doubt. I mean, just this morning, I, I, I came to the building and I, we couldn't get in. The key fob system went down. I was like, we're going to preach the gospel this morning. <laughs> right? Like people, oh no, the, the system was just, I don't know. Honestly, we went through our plan B, our plan C, and finally we got in. But I'm like, man, the enemy just doesn't want the truth of God to go forth. And as, as Christians in this country, we need to understand that that's actually a real dynamic of, of walking with God. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. He's actually really envious of your destiny. Because when you're in Jesus, you're submitted to Jesus, you're surrendered to him, you are receiving the full inheritance of what it means to be a son of God. In Romans 8, Paul says that we're co-heirs with Jesus. The enemy is furious. He wants the praises, right? He even said to Jesus, like, if you worship me, man, like, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Like, he just wants to be worshipped. But he's not going to get it. That's it. He's not going to get it. And he, God has equipped us to actually not only not worship him, but to just tear down his, his kingdom, his fake kingdom. He's given us the, the weapons and the tools to do it. Primarily his Holy Spirit living in us. That's the greatest gift that we could be given. Man, the Holy Spirit, he's our seal, God's stamp of approval on our lives. God marking us as his own but he's also the power to overcome. Notice that in in Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, stand firm in God's power. That word for power in the Greek, it means manifested strength. It means strength shown in a ruling authority. And it primarily refers to God's kingdom authority. Paul's saying, stand firm in that authority. You've been given authority through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Now stand firm in it. Walk in it. Put it on every day. Man, have eyes for it. I I think we need to ask God to open up our eyes to the spiritual world around us because the enemy is trying to get at us. But if we have eyes for it, we won't let him. And we're not called to be scared of him. We're not called to be intimidated. We're called to walk in the power of God's might. Ephesians 6.10 Put on the manifested strength of God's kingdom. Put it on. What does that mean? Know who you are. Colossians 1. I believe it's verse 24. It says, But you have been made holy, pure, spotless, blameless. You must continue to stand in this truth. It starts with understanding the gospel. Jesus didn't just die to get us into heaven. He died to make us new people. That's what all of 2 Corinthians 5 is about, man. It's about, re- it's about the realities of what Jesus has done for us and actually stepping into that identity and walking in it, okay? So Ephesians 6.10, it says that, but then uh, in Acts 1.8, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit coming to us. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You'll receive power. The Holy Spirit is God's power in us. Not to use and abuse and to do whatever we want, but to glorify Jesus. It's my conviction that we just don't really realize that a lot. Serious, okay? So last week at camp, this girl, she's 20, maybe 18, 18, 20 years old. She's serving a volleyball. And as she was coming through, her shoulder popped out. Painful, right? I look over and she's on the ground just writhing in pain. And uh, I didn't want to do this, but I knew that God was saying, Pete, pray for her. There's already a crowd around her. I didn't want to make a big deal or a big scene. I just go, I knew who she was. I go, hey, Ellie, um, you mind if I pray really quick? She goes, sure. And um, I was on the basketball court, and she was on the volleyball court, which is probably like right around here. And so it was elevated like this too. And I just, I didn't want to overwhelm her or anything. So I just got down and I just kind of prayed from right here. And I just go, well, um, shoulder, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. And I say, be healed and restored right now in Jesus' name. And I felt like such a buffoon. (laughs) You're like, I'm sitting here like 20 yards away. I'm like, be healed and restored right now in the name of Jesus. And then I'm like, on the inside, I'm like, wow, Pete, you've really dug yourself a hole. You look weird. And, and uh, I was like, okay, okay. Um, and we walked away, but then like the nurse comes out, and they're on the phone with the hospital. And I got some of our students, and I go, hey, let's go lay hands on her now. So we go, we lay hands on her, and again, we pray, we go, we speak to the shoulder right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed and strengthened and restored right now. She's like, I feel my shoulder popping. And um, when I was trained like to, to pray for healing over people, they always said, man, Ask them to test it out because that's an act of faith, right? How many times in the gospel does Jesus look at them and go, your faith has healed you? You know, in Acts 3, Peter looks at the cripple. He says, you know, silver, gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then it says that Peter grabbed the cripple by the hand and he pulled him up. And as he was being pulled up, his legs were strengthened, right? Sometimes it's that testing that's the act of faith. And so someone in the group, I didn't ask because I was like, I I was wrestling with the tension. Like, do I ask her to test it out? She's in so much pain right now. And um, this is random woman goes, you feel popping? Well, can you test it out really quick? And she goes, and it popped right into place. No joke. My student looked at me and he goes, whoa. He goes, I've always heard you talk about it, but to see it happen is completely different. And I was like, come on, yeah, it's awesome. And then an hour later, this kid who's a character from Hamilton, he shows up. And he's got this cast on. I said, well, man, like, what happened to your arm? He goes, well, I stuck it down the mouth of a mountain lion. And I was like, that didn't happen. What actually happened? And uh, he goes, well, I was rock climbing, and I fell. And I, <laughs> he's kind of a big kid. He, he said the momentum of him falling back, the, the rope just kind of brought him right back around into the rock. And he fractured his elbow. So they brought him to urgent care. He got testing done. They gave him a cast. And I just saw God pop a shoulder back into place. So I'm like, he can fix a fractured elbow. Guarantee it. Let's, you know, and so we prayed. And um, I was like, dude, do you feel anything? He's like, nah, not really. And I'm like, okay, well. You know, I walked away. I was like, I tried. But the next morning, he comes up to my friend. He goes, after you guys prayed, like, I have no more pain in my arm. He comes up to me a couple hours later. He's like, thank you so much for praying. Like, there's no more pain in my arm. And I go, wait a second. No more pain in your arm. He goes, well, like a little bit. And I go, well. See what God can do. We prayed for him. He starts, he took off his cast. The kid took off his cast. And he goes, 
that's really weird. That's really weird. And I was like, yeah, it's God, man. God loves you. And the next day, we were playing volleyball with him. Crazy. The next day, we were playing volleyball with him. We had three more days of camp. Never put his cast back on. Every time I saw him, I pressed him. I said, don't be nice to me. Don't sugarcoat it. How are you feeling? He goes, so much better. He was like, on the bus back, every bump we hit, I started crying. It was excruciatingly painful. I have no pain there now. I was like, okay, I don't know if I believe this. I saw the doctor report. Non-displaced fracture in his right humerus. I think it's the humerus. Anyway, it was non-displaced fracture in the arm. And I was like, what in the world? Get back home. I was like, still like, okay, man, I really want to make sure that this actually was legit. Had his friends text him, how's your arm doing? Amazing. He got into church. They, they drove straight through the night. They got to church in Hamilton that next morning. And the, the pastor goes, does anyone have any testimonies of camp? And this kid gets up and he goes, God heals. That's it. Says, God heals. I had a broken arm. It's not broken anymore. And everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> what do we do with that? But that is what, I mean, come on. Like if we can just see the simplicity of it all. It's not, it's not this huge equation that we have to figure out. It's just walking, surrender to Jesus and trusting that he wants to use us, even though we're broken, right? That's the, that's the mystery of it all, right? We're these fragile jars of clay, but we behold the glory of God because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Colossians 2, verse 9, it says this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over the, every ruler and authority. It's pretty simple right there. Jesus is God, and God lives in, in us. And he's head over every ruler and authority. It's time that we stop letting life kick us around and push us around and defeat us again and again and again. And we stand on the victory that Jesus bought at the cross. A victory for us to have a new life, a new identity a new reality. When we come into Jesus, he sets us free from our past. I was just actually laying in bed last night. I couldn't fall asleep. And, and I just felt attacked. You know, I don't know if, not everyone in here has heard my story. But I, I used to wrestle with, with a lot of things as a druggie. Um, I was depressed. Man, I had, I, I had severe obsessive compulsive disorder. I don't know if you guys have any know, ever known anyone with OCD. But it got to the point in high school where I couldn't even walk down a flight of stairs. It would take me 20 minutes to get from my room to my kitchen. Does that sound like the enemy, <laughs> right? Just coming to steal, kill, and destroy? But when I got saved, God delivered me of that. I haven't had OCD for six years. God is alive and he's moving. He's looking to use us and he's given us this new reality through his blood and his resurrection. And it's time that we start to press into it as a church. And so I think this starts right here. It's asking, God, would you give me new eyes to view life through? It's waking up and just asking God, God, would you give me a new perspective? I want to see things the way you do. Because I think we need that. It's just kind of a little cultural detox, right? We need to get out of this this worldly funk that a lot of us are in, including myself, and we need to just ask God, God, would you give me eyes to see um, things the way you do? Because when we start praying that prayer, God meets us there, and he starts giving us eyes to see, oh man, the kingdom of God needs to invade there. Man, that person needs to be freed. Oh man, they need prayer for this. Oh man, that 
my coworker's got a broken foot. I used to think that, that they're just screwed, but now I'm going to actually pray for them. Right? It just starts with asking God, like, man, would you give me a new perspective? But it also comes, too, with responsibility. Um, Paul said, I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. One thing to note is that this authority that we've been given through the Holy Spirit living in us, it's the authority of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is advancing. Jesus in Luke 10, when he commissioned disciples, and he said, when you go heal someone, tell them that the, the kingdom of God has come near to them. The point of this being is that the kingdom of God has come to bring life, to restore all things, to bring light to the darkness. That's why, that's why it's forcefully advancing. That's why demons are fleeing at the name of Jesus. And so this authority that we've been giving, man, it, it, it brings life. It builds people up. It shows them who they're created to be. Man, you were created for intimacy with God. That's what it speaks. That's what it communicates. So that's my prayer. I'm going to invite the band back up. But that's my prayer for us, is that we actually start to press in, God, what does this look like for me? Would you give me eyes to see the places that your, your, your kingdom needs to break in? Now, when I was, I was uh, thinking about what I was going to preach on this Sunday, I just felt like God was like, open up that back corner for after church. And if anyone needs healing, if anyone wants to be delivered of something, if anyone wants um, freedom, if anyone wants a, more intimacy with Jesus, then you're invited to the back. We want to pray for you. I believe with all my heart that, that God is in the business of bringing his children near to him. That's it. And it's when we draw near, right? Jesus said, or Mark said in Mark 3, that Jesus commissioned his disciples to first be with him. It's when we draw near to him that we realize who we are to him and we realize the authority that we've been given to cast out and to push back darkness. It's not creepy, it's not spooky, it's just the business of God. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and we're his co-heirs. Whereas co-laborers, we do the same thing that Jesus did. We just follow him obediently and he wins the battles for us. And it's fun. I'll tell you what, when, when that shoulder popped back into place and my student looked at me and he goes, whoa. When we actually start to step into this thing, we might not have the faith for it when we begin. But when we see God move at our weak yes, oh, it, it'll blow up your faith. It'll make you hunger for more. It will, I promise. Sometimes I think we, we think we need to get it all together in our knowledge and our obedience before we can actually step out and do something for God. That's a lie. Sometimes it takes us stepping out for him where we actually grow in our knowledge of who he is and our love for him and our obedience to him. We, we want everything to work in this like linear pattern. Sometimes it's just taking that step out of the boat.